Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. This podcast is part of E2C Network, where we share the whole Auburn experience. Where you Auburn fans, welcome to No Huddle, your source for Auburn football news and discussion, part of the E2C Network. I'm AJ Richardson. I'm also here with Jared Davis. We finally got ourselves a SEC win. Euphrey's got his first SEC win at Auburn. It was a big day on the Plains, and we broke our four-game losing streak, which felt even better um, to do that because of just the rest of the games on the schedule and how this uh, the rest of the season can kind of play out if we just got this one win against Mississippi State. Jared, how you doing? How you feeling? We finally got that win. We're back on the win train now. Yeah, it feels good to talk about, like, from that perspective, it's been a long time since uh, it's been four weeks and a bye. So, yeah, it's been a while, man. Um, you know, and it was one of those, I heard it being floated around, and I don't ever like to use this word, especially this early on, but everybody was saying, this is a must win. There, There is no must win at first year in his tenure, but I understood the sentiment, like mm-hmm. they're, you know, we were at home, even though we weren't playing great, we should be better than them. And then when you found out that Will Rogers and their starting running back were out, yep. you almost got even more nervous because you're like, okay, this really is a must win and we better not mess this up. Yeah, for real. When you kind of put it in that framework, you're thinking, well, their two biggest offensive threats are gone. And what are they going to do now with their backup quarterback? And I, I kind of joked before the uh, the game it started, I was like, man, it just feels like Auburn potentially, you know, every time a backup quarterback in, comes in, we're like, let's make him the Heisman uh, you know, long shot because that's what it feels like. They seem to come out and just do anything and everything that they want to. And thankfully, we were able to contain them a lot, and that's a big uh, props to Ron Roberts and the defense. Uh, we did have some explosive plays, but overall it was – a pretty solid showing for us. Um, and then not to mention, you know, kind of overall able to move the ball. I mean, we scored 27 points and I feel like the second half, we kind of just took our foot off the gas a little bit, which I'm kind of in the same boat as I feel a lot of you that, you know, you kind of get a little shades of Gus Malzahn doing that in the second half. And then, you know, Mississippi state coming back and beating us, but Hey, we still beat them by 14 points. So uh, we can all, Rest easy, knowing that uh, you know, despite pulling off the throttle on offense, it still worked out. We got our W. So I got a general question for you. So I saw this kind of 
pitched either on Facebook or Twitter, and I thought it was kind of interesting. I never heard of this. You know how we've got the Iron Bowl. You got the Deep South's oldest rivalry against Georgia. You got some you know names for rivalries. I don't think Auburn and Mississippi State are technically a rivalry, but we have played each other a lot because we're in the same division. What's your thoughts on naming this game? And and the here's the one that I saw predominantly. It was the cow battle. Because you know, <laughs> Auburn being a cow college and Mississippi State with all their clang clang <laughs> bells. What's your thoughts on that? Um I I don't know I mean, I think um not knocking it, I think that a lot of times a, a named rivalry game you know, it usually has some back and forth that creates, you know, that, that aspect. Although yeah. Mississippi State has had their moments with us uh, mm-hmm. th- that they shouldn't have. Yeah, I um, I hate being called a Cal College, if I'm being honest with you. <laughs> we, we get it a lot. And the funny thing is, you know, the funny thing is a lot of people don't realize that, I mean, we're not, you know, there are better schools in the SEC, but we're, we're probably top four or five academic-wise. And I know we didn't mean to go this direction, but um, – we do get called the Cal College a lot. I mean, the the head of the head of Apple, Tim Cook, is an Auburn grad. The guy right. that created Wikipedia is an Auburn grad. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a long list of things, so it is kind of you you can tell that one bothers me a little bit. I wouldn't call it the Cal Battle. I think that's clever, and I get where you're going with that. But um, yeah, yeah, it has been. We have been. I think we have played them a lot, though. I, I thought I heard the number. Uh, before the broadcast and I was like they kind of surprised me we've played them that many times so there is yeah. a long history there for sure yeah I mean in the last 15 years it's been closer than I think most people would say but at the same time I over the long run I mean Auburn's kind of been the dominant one in this and and rightly so I mean Mississippi State I still don't think has a national championship in any sport I'm pretty sure of that. Um, now maybe they got one last year in like a question or something, but I don't think that was the case because Auburn was right there too. <laughs> um, so I think we're pretty safe to say like Mississippi states have not really been that, you know, co- uh, competitive against Auburn over the grand scheme of things. So I don't know. I kind of agree with you. I'm, I'm not a big fan of naming these smaller rivalries. I mean, if anything, you're probably going to name the LSU rivalry, which you know kind of gets the Tiger Bowl a little bit sometimes, people call it that. Uh, but even that's not official. Yeah. I don't think you got to name every game that's you know, some sort of rivalry. So let's talk through a few other things. Um, I was able to go to the game and I uh, got to experience some of the fan experience uh, from the game. And uh, the last game I was at was, uh, I'm pretty sure it was a Sanford game. So, much bigger game, SEC, and uh, fan experience was pretty good. You know, fans showed up, uh, especially for a team that had, at that point, a losing record, 3-4. And And, uh, fans showed up, were pretty loud. Not as loud as uh, what I'd heard the Georgia was, which, again, I think that's rightly so. Uh, But, you know, that's part of an SEC game. You get some crowd involvement, the jumbotrons, you know, doing great. The DJs working, you know, the bands playing some great songs and, you know, cheerleaders are doing what they do. Keep the fans engaged. Um, one of the funny fan experiences was, and I felt it was a little too early. It was like middle of the second quarter, the student section got the wave going. And I was like, guys, I know we're up right now, 
but I feel like it's a little too early to get the wave going. And they kept the wave going for like, I'm not exaggerating, but like three or four minutes. I mean, it went around the stadium probably like three or four times. So I don't know. I wasn't the biggest fan of that. I mean, I liked it to some extent, but usually when you do the wave, it's like the game's way out of hand. And I was like, guys, stop. The game is not out of hand. Like Mississippi state can make a comeback. They didn't pull the keys out, did they? The keys is the big. Oh gosh! You pull the keys out and start shaking them like it's time <laughs> to go home. That's that's the uh, that's definitely what you don't want to do in the second quarter. Uh uh no no they didn't do that. At least I didn't see anybody do that. Um another couple kind of interesting things. Um these are related to Albie. Uh Albie had a fun dance performance with the Tiger Paws, which is our dance team at Auburn, and uh, very entertaining. Albie did great. Uh, so go check it out on social media if you want. It's a fun, you know, minute or so of him dancing with, uh, with them. And he looked like, I don't know if you've ever seen, I think it was the Penn state, uh, their mascot dancing with, uh, some of their dance line. And, uh, it was just about as entertaining as that. Like I'll be, I'll be definitely knows how to dance as we all know. Um, another thing about Aubie, uh, the friends of Aubie, uh, because obviously Aubie is a living, breathing tiger and, there are friends of Aubie. Uh, <laughs> there was about 40 or 50, maybe even 60 of them that had a little reunion. Uh, not a little. It was actually pretty big. I had never seen that. Maybe it happens more often than I think. But they were all out there. Um, the the Jumbotron got a good shot of them. They were uh, <laughs> they had uh, Aubie kind of there just throwing them up in the air a little bit. It was fun. Um, so pretty cool to see that, just all the different – Albies and obviously the passed down traditions of national championships of him winning it as a mascot and you, you love to see it. Um, and the other thing at halftime, uh, they didn't do the crazy like halftime show, the lit up helmets and that kind of stuff, but they did do military appreciation uh, because this game was military appreciation week. And uh, that was pretty cool. Um, if you've ever been to an Auburn military appreciation they do all the different songs of the different uh military uh, areas and th- that was really cool um on top of that they did some really cool different formations of different uh things mostly vehicles like a tank or a airplane or a helicopter one of the coolest i think was a submarine in my mind um, and then they had kind of the submarine going underwater and just look cool i feel like those kinds of uh cool animations that you can do in a band or just add the little extra to it. So fan experience was uh, pretty good uh, for this week. So I did want to talk about another topic that I feel like has been kind of the hot topic throughout this whole season, uh, coaching. So Jared, this week, it seemed like they put together a pretty good plan that worked. I mean, for the first half, we were just like, what is a competent offense? This is what it looks like. This is amazing. Um, how how long I feel like competent offenses have been lacking, uh, despite having offensive, uh, pretty much offensive-minded head coaches. So um, what was kind of your overall thought on how we did as far as coaching for this game? I mean, it definitely, like you said, it looked competent. It looked smooth. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, it – 
it looked like what we thought we were going to get from game one, I guess, from the staff, in my opinion. Um, you know, I mean, it, it helps without, I mean, the, the, the elephant in the room, right? I mean, Mississippi State is not a great team. Neither are we. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, I mean, statistically coming into that game, I haven't seen it. I've heard people say that they were better statistically than Ole Miss coming wow. into that game on defense. So, um, you know, they, they were at a bare minimum, they were pretty even with Ole Miss and we were able to do some things against them. We could not against Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. A- and I really think that was more to do with us than Ole Miss and Mississippi state. I think we did. I think there was a level of, uh, he, he, you know, at some point we got to take him at his word. Hugh Freeze was essentially scared in that four game stretch to wear his defense thin. And so they played very conservative with the play calls and I would, I wouldn't have done it because you still lost the games. Right. But that was their philosophy. And now you could tell in that Mississippi state game, they were more confident to Mm -hmm. go a little tempo to open up the playbook. Um, They weren't as scared of, Hey, yeah, we may go out there and throw and it may be a quick three and out, no clock run off, but maybe not. And, and the maybe not is what happened. We played well, you had receivers making plays. You had Shane Hooks that got pass interfered. I still can't believe they didn't call that. Oh, and he gosh. made yeah. I mean the touchdown catch. But really, man, to me, um I th- we may find out. Let's talk again in three or four more weeks about how big it was we were missing uh, Javarius Johnson because we yeah. forget he's been our biggest threat the last two years and he's been injured. And we all just kind of thought, and honestly, probably because of his height, we were like, ah, it's not a big loss. Pretty big loss. The dude runs great routes. Mm -hmm. He's a deep threat. And I also, I'll end with this because I know I'm rambling, but so I I think you're talking about coaching, right? But I think players are starting to execute as well. And I think the fact that we may have figured out what players can execute Caleb Burton, we weren't seeing Caleb Burton until two weeks ago. Now he's become a pretty big focal point of the offense and it's not huge gains, but honestly go back and watch that hold. It was a pass where he was coming across the middle. They were holding him. If they don't hold him, that's probably a 50 yard touchdown because Thorne mm-hmm. led him very well. So a couple of players are starting to figure out where they fit in this scheme. The coaches are figuring out what to do with these players. Yeah. And it all came together yesterday in the first half. Right. Well, and, and it's those players that you've mentioned. I I mean, I think it's maybe a little bit of an exaggeration, but it feels like it shouldn't have taken them that long to figure out some of these players and what they can do. No, it but, shouldn't have. And, and we've been harsh on them. I mean, they, yeah. the coaches should have, they shouldn't have taken this long, but yeah. But at the same time, we knew it was a kind of a long term goal. I mean, even from like our first few, few losses, you know, we were thinking, what the heck is this season? Why? What's going on here? And now you're starting to see the build. And I really hope this is the start of that build of you know not only this year, but bringing more talent, which Hugh Freeze is already putting together great recruiting classes for next year, 2025, and so on, because that's what we need to do. And so the coaching decisions, while you know the last four games have been rough, I mean, the best one was Georgia, and we were like, even that, we don't want to claim a moral victory, but it felt 
not as bad as we thought it could have been against Georgia. And that piece of it, to me, is showing some you know improvements from the coaching. And they're you know on the offensive side, play, calling better plays for the guys. Secondarily, it's the defense handling the uh, lack of depth that they seem to have. And Ron Roberts on defense is doing well with that. Uh, we we did what we needed to against Mississippi State. We kept them out of the end zone until the fourth quarter, which how often does that happen in the modern college football era? Not that often because guess what? Offenses are pretty potent, and they know how to score points. So props to the coaching staff for putting our guys in a good position to win um, this game. And and I'll mention this a few times. Uh, you know, we were – we seemed well coached and they were well disciplined. We didn't have too many major issues. Yeah. Did we have a few false starts and holds and yada, yada? Like, yeah, it's going to happen. But for overall, you got the guys ready to play and they execute it, which is uh, all you can ask for um, in these kinds of games where you're expected to win and you do win uh, by 14 points. Um, Let's also talk about, you know, more specifically like the quarterback rotation, which I think is, you know, again, kind of like a pretty related thing to coaching. You know, that's been part of this team's identity so far on offense is having packages for Robbie. Peyton's still your main guy. And even last week, you know, it was more or less 50-50. And this time it was Peyton Thorne is your guy. And Robbie came in a few plays. Uh, Hugh did say that there were some more packages for Robbie, but they just didn't get to them. Uh, maybe this just wasn't the right scenarios or whatever for Robbie. And you know what? I didn't hate it because Peyton looked comfortable and uh, felt good about what he was doing on the field to keep drives going. And you could tell it. There was an extra level of confidence in Peyton to throw not only the short passes, you know, do some RPOs, throw some really touchy passes or even long balls. And man, has that been missed? Like, I feel like I forgot what a long pass looked like <laughs> legitimately without it going to double or triple coverage that gets, that gets intercepted. Like it kind of felt like I'd forgotten. <laughs> well, it's a good reason you'd forgotten. We uh, felt like Auburn had forgotten. Yeah. I mean the QB rotation thing, I'll be honest. It, I, it should be over, completely over, in my opinion. This is not, I mean, I'd highly doubt Robbie listens to this. Robbie, this isn't against you if you do. Um, but at the end of the day, the offense just runs better with Peyton Thorne. And I was a guy who had said three weeks ago, give it to Robbie and let him ride the rest of the year. But I still say Peyton Thorne does the thing better, or the offense operates better on the only reason you're bringing Robbie in. That read option play. It just works better with Peyton. And I think because there is that threat that he may keep it and pass it. So I mm -hmm. can't commit to too much here. And so it's leaving it open and he's a decent runner. Um, he is. Way better like, than I think any of us yes, thought. I, I don't see any benefit whatsoever. You can, call me, you can tell me I'm wrong, but I see zero benefit whatsoever at this point of bringing Robbie in. Um I mean, even like a you know, red zone situation, you still like don't bring him in. I, I mean, I'm okay if you do, but I don't see the point. I mean, um, Thorne can do everything Robbie can do. It's not like Robbie is 
So like Tebow, it worked with Tebow and their right uh Leaf something Leaf I can't remember his name. Um, it worked with them because Tebow was a very big guy, and so it was like mm-hmm. third and one. We're running it. We're gonna tell you we're running it. You don't have to steal our signs, and <laughs> you can't stop it because I'm a yep. big guy, right? Ashford is very quick and athletic, but he's not gonna overpower you. So. I think that Thorne has shown he is also quick and athletic enough to where the also the thought that he may throw it is keeping defenses at bay and the read option is working better with Robbie. I, I no, I, I mean uh, Thorne. No, Peyton. I would not. Yeah, yeah, Peyton. I would not bring Robbie in. Yeah, I mean, I I would, I would disagree a little bit. I feel like there is a spot for Robbie, but it's got to be you you have it written up so Peyton knows. Hey, if we get within you know the twenty yard line. Robbie's come in here for at least a couple plays, see what happens. And if he gets a first down, a touchdown, awesome. But if not, hey, Peyton Thorne, you're going right back out there. Yeah, something like that. I'm personally okay with that. But let me I mean, ask some, you this. Some people are not, though. Let me ask you this. And I am not saying this to get you on my side. I'm genuinely wondering, what does that do that Robbie, I mean, that Peyton Thorne can't do? Bringing him in, what, what advantage are you getting? I mean, I do think Robbie is a more electric runner. Is it like if you had to put percentages on it? Like, I think Robbie is like if you you were playing like a NCAA football game, he's probably got like a ninety-eight on you know fast speed, juking, running really well, that kind of stuff. And I think Peyton's pretty solid. He's probably like a eighty-five, ninety. So it gets you a little bit more. Which maybe that in the red zone, I think that that's in my mind that little edge. Sometimes, I mean, we saw it with Bo Nix. That little edge that some of these, you know, agile quarterbacks have, it can get you that extra yard or get you into the end zone. That that's just kind of my general thing. But at the same time, you're you're not losing that much with Peyton. So again, I can kind of see both sides, but I'm again still fine with Robbie coming in. I'm giving you credit and props because you brought up the NCAA rating system. So <laughs> that's I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm giving you props for that. Yeah. I'm, Would you agree that? with those numbers? Like, or yeah, yeah, think I think, yeah, I think that's pretty, that. no, no, no. I, th- I I've gotten into this debate with people. I th- I think Rob, there is zero doubt Robbie Ashford is a better athlete than Peyton Thorne. Uh, yeah. Like, if you're like, hey, I need a guy to run my forty, you know, and and I got money on this. I'm p- I'm picking Robbie Ashford, right? Um he would destroy Thorn in the combine. I mean, like the mm-hmm. athletic skills it, and and he's done well in the red zone. It just appears that I, some, either he's not reading the read option correctly or the defense doesn't have to worry about the pass. And so it's not working as well as it is when Thorne's in. So mm-hmm. my whole thought on all this, there's nothing you said that's wrong. But if Thorne has got you down there, let's say you're going tempo, Thorne's got you down there, you're inside the 20, don't kill your own tempo and bring in Robbie because I don't think the advantage, if there is one, is enough of an advantage to slow your own self down if it comes to that. I mean, that's um, fair. I mean, yeah, that, I, I see your point, especially you know, how many times we, we've seen you know, Robbie come in and then we – can't get a play call in and then we have a delay game or and that's not start. robbie's like, fault by the no, way no i don't think yeah, so yeah that's not robbie's fault and and i'm not even saying all this is robbie i think the main thing with me and then i'll i'll, I'll stop i think literally the main thing with me is they have not put enough on tape of robbie throwing and that may be robbie's fault or not to where defenses literally don't have to worry about that and so 
Mm-hmm. I do think that's why his read option is probably not working as well as Thorns. However, he when he's come in in the red zone, he's done pretty pretty well. Um, you know, I I just don't know that that the the negative I think is is greater than the positive of bringing him in, in my opinion. So I would say just keep Thorn rolling. However, uh, everything you said is also very correct. And if you're gonna do it and you do it in the red zone, I am okay with that. Um, I, I don't. Do I don't it. think you should pull it out anywhere other than the red zone. Yeah, I'm, if you want to do it in the red zone, look, whatever we are doing in the red zone's working because we are pretty high in percentage. So I'm okay with whatever they're doing in the red zone. But like, I think we both agree on this. You know, stop doing it at the 50 yard line or 40. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. And I think we did. We did this game. We didn't do that. Right. So. Yeah. There was only I think one play that I can think of that. Robbie was subbed in there. He did his job. He ran, got us a first down. I mean, that's, I think what he originally came in there for. And and at that point, so again, kind of minor thing, coaching, it was a run for Robbie and he came running to the sideline of Auburn. So it was an easy transition right after he got us a first down. Hey, you know, Peyton, get back out there, you know, keep the drive going. It was just like essentially a one play, one and done, get your first down, move on. And I was like, I'm okay with that. But in most situations, I haven't necessarily seen that, why you would bring in one over the other uh, and just kind of change up the flow. Um, who wasn't a flow? <laughs> Jarquez. He, uh, he had 144 yards. Are you kidding me? I love that. Like, you got to be loving that kind of game for Jarquez. Um, I mean, he was just going off. Um Man, he was catching the ball, had a couple of catches. He just felt like that was Jarquez. I mean, I I mean, we had glimpses of it last game with a, a long breakout run. It just felt like we haven't seen that out of Jarquez in a while. I agree. I mean, he I don't know what's, you know, obviously missed some practice time. He missed the first game. Um, but when he's been in there, it just, until last week against Ole Miss, it just hasn't looked like the intensity that we, you know, had come to expect from him. Um, he's, he's on fire right now. I mean, he's, he's caught several passes. He did the, he did his little patent, patented, uh, leap over a Mississippi State. The hurdle defender. guy. That was awesome. Yeah. And that was, a, that was a key, key, key catch he made there. That was right before halftime. We put up another seven points. So he caught yeah. it. He's starting to catch out of the backfield. Um, He's just got got great body control. I mean, you look at the one of his longer runs. I mean, he gets you know two people try to arm tackle him at the you know, line of scrimmage, and he just he's able to get out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's that's kind of that Judkins stuff. Like that's God given. You can't teach that, right? And I mean, that's he, the kind of stuff that like he frees preseason. Why he said Jarquez is probably the best running back he's ever coached. Right, it's that kind of stuff. And I feel like up until last week. I was like, where is Jarquez been? Yep. 100%. Like he's, he's averaging like, feels like two, three yards of carry. Every time he gets the ball, he's not getting even a first down. It felt like, and it's just like, what's going on here? And Jarquez this game and last game, we're like, this is, this is the Jarquez that we've known for the last two years at Auburn. Um, a couple other wide receivers slash running backs that really played really well. Um, Damari Austin, um, you know, we had, him coming back after an injury and I I know it's he only got four carries but I mean early on in the season he seemed like he was kind of the clear number two 
right behind Jarquez in the running back room. Uh, but we did also have Batie and uh, Jeremiah Cobb also play pretty darn well, uh, kind of in their own backup roles. Um, Cobb with that amazing kind of over-the-shoulder catch in the end zone and great pass by Peyton Thorne. I mean, Peyton had some really good touchy passes this game. Um, and oh, not to mention, I forgot about this, uh, there was one, it almost looked like a Patrick Mahomes kind of play. Um, that Peyton had, so I wanted to throw that out. He kind of got a guy jumping up, and then he yeah, kind of threw it around the guy. And, yeah. It was great. I, yeah, I heard somebody, uh, I don't remember, that was another podcaster, but I honestly can't remember, but it was talking about how, like, that that showed you how comfortable Thorne was in that game, right? Like, he, yeah. like a, an uncomfortable quarterback there just throws that pass anyway, and it gets batted mm-hmm. down. No, he, right. he pump faked. Um, but we, I think we got to give a little more – uh, time on the pass to Cobb. Um, that is our freshman running back, right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. okay. Yeah, I think that was one of the prettiest passes I've seen. Um, a beautiful fade. Yeah. Um, Cobb being a freshman running back, you know, running the correct route, making the catch. That was the only play he played, I think, or the only touch he got. So that's a pretty good day. Mm-hmm. That that was a beautiful play and a great play design. Yeah. So. What's kind of interesting, and this is kind of wrapping in the wide receivers into this, was we had 11 wide receivers that were targeted in this game. And to that, to some, that may sound a little crazy, you know, very high number. Uh, that's the kind of stuff, you know, against a nobody, that seems about right. But this is Mississippi State. It's another SEC opponent. And we had 11 guys targeted, lots of different wide receivers, tight ends, running backs targeted in the air. And, and to me, that – doesn't seem that outlandish because we don't have a clear, you know, wide receiver number one that is our go-to. I mean, we have the closest thing is probably Rivado Fairweather, and even some games I feel like he's kind of non-existent. Um, so, you know, other guys have to stand up. So I wanted to kind of have a quick conversation about you know, what you saw from the wide receiver room and why was this game different. Is that is that something you know we can carry into? other games so what's your thoughts on the receiver room and where they're at I really think it all started with tempo and then I think it got into a rhythm and everybody Mm -hmm. was confident right it's like a baseball team when when nobody when when there's times where nobody can hit right and then a few guys start hitting and then everybody hits um same thing here I think the tempo helped I think the belief in the game plan and letting Thorn rip it, um, and then a few guys get open, and then more guys start getting open, and then that opens up the deep route to you know Javarius, and yeah, I just felt like I really felt, and it's so easy, and we it could have totally been because it was Mississippi State, but I really felt like we were one of our own worst enemies those four games, and we played tight. Um, we play, I felt like Gus would do this with his quarterbacks a lot. Well, like he would get so harp on them so bad about not throwing picks mm-hmm. that like they would like people always joke he had all these four stars and five stars come through and then they they didn't pan out. I think sometimes they got in their head too much. Like I'm scared to mm-hmm. let it loose. We were doing that, and in this game, Thorne was not scared to let it loose. He had he was given the keys. He was confident, and the receivers were responding to that. Yeah, um, and give props to our receivers, and really throughout the year, even when they haven't gotten separation, they they pretty much catch the ball pretty well. I felt like we we may have had a few drops, but 
Um, you know, it hasn't like, been as bad as I feel like no. it, it was with uh, Harson. It has not. Like our wide receivers, you know, things would be perfectly thrown and drop the ball. Absolutely. So everybody did their part, and I think it was contagious. And it's, mm-hmm. it's confidence, and we needed that badly. And we were going to have to go create it because it wasn't going to fall in our lap. And they did. They went and created that. They they killed it a little bit in the second half, but I think that was by design. I think you can you can – push that off as saying hey we went very conservative um so yeah i mean i I think that ultimately aj um i think a lot of this has probably been there a few players have been doing their job at receiver all year on several plays today or saturday everybody was doing their job everybody Mm -hmm. was running the right route everybody was on the same page and i think it was mostly because it was contagious yeah no 100 percent. i felt like not only was peyton confident in what he was doing the wide receivers look confident and I'm running the right route and Peyton knows I'm running the right route and where to throw the ball. And that kind of resulted in, if you look at uh, Peyton Thorne's numbers, I mean, we haven't even really talked about his numbers, but he was 77% passing 20 of 26, which was a career high for him. And uh, man, just when that kind of stuff is happening, that's when you're, you're feeling really good. Uh, especially kind of to finish out this year. You know, to me, it's like most teams kind of figure out whatever the offensive identity is, you know, within the first like four or five games. I feel like this year, just because of how much changeover of players there have been from the transfer portal and just Hugh Freeze and his staff not necessarily knowing the players because they didn't recruit them, that's made it tough to figure out what this offense is going to look like. And here we are. You know, eight games in, and I'm feeling much better about the offense than I was even just a couple weeks ago. Real quick, I don't even know what half the – I don't know all these stats that go into it, but if I told you Peyton Thorne would have a pro football focus grade of 90.2 in an SEC football game before no yet, before Saturday, what would you have said? That's a, no, that's ridiculous. No. Like, they're 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 harsh. Just to give you a just to give you an idea, Jarquez was the next highest at seventy nine point four. Jarquez <laughs> so, was only a seventy nine. So Jarquez, that tells you how harsh it is. Yeah, Jarquez was seventy nine point four. Peyton Thorne was ninety point two. Like he was. There is nobody in the B's on our. It it goes from ninety to Jarquez is the second highest at seventy nine. Um, Javarius Johnson just just is the last one. He was a seventy two point nine. Yeah, I mean, he didn't have that many. I think he was only in the game. I heard somewhere in the play range of like fifteen to twenty times. You know, fifteen and twenty plays. Like he was still kind of limited because of his injury. But his, you know, when he got targeted, guess what? That long pass, and he had another. uh, Which I'll I'll kind of shout out this. He had a funny. If you go watch um, the catch, he almost did like a little barrel roll, like slow motion midair, and I was like. This feels like a kind of a, a movie where he's just jumping in the air and rolling over. But, <laughs> hey, it made it work. <laughs> Whatever That's it takes, fun. man. Right. So, a couple more things uh, before we get out of here. Um, defense, we've already kind of just discussed this, but bend but don't break was the main thing that they were doing. And, uh, you know, despite the lack of depth, I think Ron Roberts handled the defense and rotating guys in and out pretty well. Um, and – you know, we're at the point where you only got a handful of regular season games left. You can, you could probably, you know, have a little bit more, you know, pin your ears back 
have some more fun on defense. And, you know, I feel like it's been pretty fun already, this defense causing so many turnovers. And, uh, you know, that could be really fun kind of in this uh, second half of this season. Um, another few things, obviously Eugene Asante having a really good day. A few other players, uh, Marcus Harris had a defensive holding, but, you know, next play he comes back, gets a quarterback hurry. So, you know, love to see kind of a bounce back after making a, you know, a mistake, come back, help your team. Um, okay. I, I talked about it, I think last week, but having Keontae Scott back is way bigger than I think a lot of people think. Um, having him back in the secondary is so big. Um, he ended up having seven solo tackles and he had a tackle for loss and a pass breakup. I mean, on defense, besides Eugene Asante, it was Keontae Scott all day. He was early and often hitting players, and he just knew where the ball was going, and he was going to hit the guy. Um, and that's what you love to see in your secondary, kind of plugging those holes, um, which, again, slowed down Mississippi State a lot. Uh, you know, kept them out of the end zone for most of the game. So uh, another kind of shout-out, uh, Zion Puckett with the interception. Um Nehemiah Pritchett almost had an interception as well. Um, you know, it's it's kind of like a fun time, I feel like, for our defense right now. Um, we're doing things. It seems like things are clicking. And, uh, you know, as long as we stay generally healthy, I mean, defense is going to keep us in these games. So I didn't know this. When Puckett intercepted it, I, think, I thought I heard the uh, broadcaster say that Kepa – 17 game streak alive for turnovers i was like there's no way really uh, yeah and there is a way that is true that that we have now we have 17 straight games of a takeaway that 17. is amazing yeah that i can't believe that's the first time i've heard that but yeah um that kept it alive so 17 straight games of of having a turnover on defense that's pretty impressive considering i feel like uh some of our defensive coordinators were just kind of like a, all right, we're going to sit back, bend, but don't break kind of feel and not really be that aggressive yeah, and causing turnovers. And even last year, you know, some of the defense, we were just going after it. Um, definitely this year. And that's yeah, a big, big, uh, you know, big props to guys like Jalen Simpson out there causing, you know, so many interceptions this year. And, uh, you know, I'm sure plenty more to come few other things special teams oscar chapman uh he had an average of 47.2 yards per punt he had five punts if you're averaging near 50 yards a punt you're having a really good day um he did have i think um there was at least one that went into the end zone not not the greatest but all the others you know he even had one that was just airmailed right to the three yard line jalen simpson catches it midair and you're like that's beautiful. Like that's exactly what you practice. That's what you draw up. It's a perfectly kicked distance wise punt and your guy catches it. And you know, it's perfect. Um, a couple other just notes from here. So I don't know about you, but I'm slightly concerned about kickoffs for Auburn. And I know Alex McPherson has been really solid for us field goal kicking, but I have seen way too many kicks already this season. Kickoffs go out of bounds and to me, that's almost inexcusable in that you just give the ball to the other team at 35. Like, am I overreacting to that piece? Because, like, that just keeps annoying me. And we had another one this game from Alex McPherson. Is that an overreaction or is that justified? 
Yeah, I don't think it's an overreaction. I think you're right. I think that, you know, that's that should not happen. Um, you know, uh, I don't know what's causing it. I mean, I feel like it. There, I feel like there's been inconsistency of putting it through the end zone, not putting it through the end zone in the same game. Um, that's led to some decent returns as well. So, I don't know. There, you know, maybe there's. I don't know. Hey, did he do kickoffs last year? I'm trying to think. Um, uh, he did. Yeah, oh, especially Anders. when, oh, especially when Anders was, uh, you know, he had some injury stuff with his ACL, yeah. still recovering, I think. Yeah, I think we we probably give him a little bit of a pass on that because I think he's perfect on the year for field goals. But you're right. I mean, mm-hmm. that could that could cost you a game. So, yeah, I agree with you. That that needs whatever's causing that needs to be fixed. Yeah. Um. So, any other final thoughts before we get out of here, Jared? Nope. Just hey, we got our we got our first SEC win. So that's that's a good feeling. Let's go. Let's, let's keep that momentum going and go get another one, man. For sure. Um. I did look because I was curious. I, I like to sometimes look back at score predictions that we made preseason. I had us winning by fourteen points. I changed look it to change. So I changed mine to one. Man. So you're you're. <laughs> <laughs> and I would have well, done point five, but that's not allowed. So. I know it's it, it was just after a week where everything just didn't seem to go right. And, uh, but, hey, here we are. Feels you like should have stuck with your gut, AJ. Stick with your gut. Right. Yeah. I, um, I probably should. All right, Jared, before we get out of here, how can the people stand up to you? You can find me on Facebook under my name, Jared Davis. And you can find me on Twitter, A-J-A-Y, A-J-A-Y underscore. It's always great to be an Auburn Tiger and we're Eagle. We're Eagle. Thank you for tuning in today's episode on the E2C Network. On your way out, I want to remind you to stop by E2Cnetwork.com. It's your one-stop shop for all our content across our podcast, YouTube channel, and much more. To stay up to date with us, make sure you're following social media accounts such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. While our content here may always be Auburn sports heavy, if it's orange and blue, it's what we do. War Eagle.